Want to get the edge in your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle delved deeper into the data behind all of the Premier League matches every single game week. We combine Pinnacle's sharp betting markets with the game's latest analytical metrics to help you find value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Welcome to Game Week 17 of the Premier League season. This is EPL Insights, and we're almost halfway there. Can you believe it? The festive season just about upon us, and guess what? Both Jake and I profitable in terms of our weekly plays. This is your weekly look at the Premier League markets, courtesy of Pinnacle. I am Gareth Wheeler. He is Jake Osgathorpe. Another week down, another very good week for you, Jake. Another head-to-head win uh, between you and I. Congratulate. What what are you beating me now? 6-1 this season? 6-1? Is that what it is? It has to be a typo. uh... There has to be some sort of clerical error here. Yeah, it's, it's turning into an absolute demolition job, isn't it? Um, 6-1 on the head-to-head. It could well be 6-1 at Anfield this weekend, which I think we'll discuss as well. Um, uh, <laughs> insult to injury United for Wheeler. score a goal? United's going to score a goal. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But no, thankfully, we've had a couple... Well, I've had a couple of good bounce-back weeks because um, I think game week 11, 12 and 13 weren't very kind to me. So... Nice to get a bit of a uh, bit of variance. Um, probably my favourite bet last week was Villa. Um, obviously, we were both on them, weren't we, to get a result against Arsenal? And, and they're just they're just phenomenal at home. I mean, I think what I, what I liked most about I know we did a couple a segment on them a few pods ago, but what I liked most about Villa was that last week they showed they could win in different ways against two best teams in the league. Um, against City, they were utterly dominant from the first whistle controlled every facet of the game and against Arsenal it was a little bit more of a um, sitting deep and counter-attacking and then riding out the storm which I thought showed a different side to them um, that they are capable of battening down the hatches and and being tough to beat so um, yeah who would have thought man going into last week that they beat both City and Arsenal without conceding uh, and that they would be so close to the top of the table. That, that's crazy. That's the thing. They, they, they beat City and Arsenal. You can still find them, make a futures play. Villa to win the league, plus 1484 on Pinnacle. Uh, fourth shortest odds, City at minus 110. Liverpool, who are now top of the table at plus 300. The Arsenal at plus 333. Check all of those out. The futures plays at Pinnacle. Uh that was a unit and a half play for me. That in Wolves, Nottingham Forest, both teams to score, both one and a half unit plays. I got Spurs on plus money, which kind of saved my week. You might be winning the head to head, but the overall profit, I believe I'm edging it by just a little bit. Is that where we stand, Jake? That's right. Yeah, you're four units in front. I'm uh, 1.9 units ahead. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, you've got 2.1 units lead at the moment but it all oh, this this game this betting game it flips on its head like that doesn't it so um it could. i think if we get to the end of the season and we're both profitable we, we can shake hands and uh and you know enjoy because it's a difficult old game that that's it this is just bragging rights between you and i but i feel a little bit aggrieved because after we recorded the podcast it was then announced that erling holland was out through injury it wasn't going to play our head-to-head was on the spread you back luton town i back city um 
that obviously had a massive influence on proceedings, but we'll move on from there. Uh, a couple big scorelines. Bournemouth smashing Manchester United at Old Trafford. Their first win at Old Trafford ever. Uh, Spurs uh, smashing Newcastle, uh, a 4-1 final. Fulham, another five, back-to-back 5-0 five wins. What's going on there? Um, what else jumps off the page to you about the way that Game Week 16 played out? Um, yeah, I mean, you touched on the Luton-Man City game. Uh, just just how laboured Man City looked again um, was is a little bit of a concern for their... Um, overall hopes, I guess, of, of winning the title. I know the XG battle is heavily in their favour, but just the manner of that victory was a little bit concerning. And I guess the, the other big kind of result was Everton beating Chelsea very comfortably. Um, two very comfortable home wins for Everton last week against Newcastle and, and um, Chelsea, two teams many had projected in the top half. Obviously, Newcastle will probably finish within that top seven, top eight. Chelsea, I mean, they've, they've shown a lot of inconsistency, shall we say. But Everton are a team that are absolutely flying at the moment. And yeah. it's something we've discussed on this podcast for a long time now, that their underlying data has been very, very good. And the results early season didn't quite reflect that. And it's why when they got the points deduction, I came out quite brazenly and said they could have started on zero points and they'll still stay up. Um, because I think that, that they are performing at such a high level. And you know, if you give them that 10 points back, they are actually in the top half of the Premier League table, which, um, again, shows you just what a great job Sean Dyche is doing and getting the best out of players that ultimately previous managers really, really struggled to do anything with. So um, kudos to them. And if they carry on the way they are going, like it might sound daft because they are, eight points off the top half, but they could easily, they're performing at a, a top half level. They could easily rein that in um, and, and go on a bit of a run here because their level of dominance is high. And then on the flip side, you've got Chelsea who, um, I think there's a, there's a stat doing the rounds over here that this calendar year, no team's picked up fewer points in the Premier League um, than Chelsea, which I think is just remarkable. Um, and I don't know if you see it over there, but there's, there's some there's some guy who's walking the length of Africa um, yep. And since he yep. since he started walking the length of Africa, which is 235 days ago, Chelsea have won just six Premier League matches. Wild, wild, and and Mopo wants more spending in the January window as well. It's it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. In fairness, I think that result says more about Everton than it does about Chelsea. Jake proudly subscribes to the Deichian theory, and who knows if they keep this up. <laughs> He may be linked to the Manchester United job because that's generally how things work uh, in the <laughs> press. Uh, yeah, other than that, let's move things forward as we do each and every week. We'll present our feature five. We'll go rapid fire and present our best plays. And who knows, perhaps, maybe, just maybe, another head-to-head will rear its ugly head. I do you want to risk it? <laughs> Come on, I like you're to live in, you're in a my life dangerously. Now, yeah. Oh. You're in a catch twenty two because if you get if you get if you get if you put a head to head forward and I win it, it's just getting worse for you. But if you don't put any any more, you've got no chance of winning. So it's like a yeah. What's the uh, what's the old line from an old Simpsons episode? Dig up, stupid. I'm just going to continue to bury myself. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And let's start off with a Friday fixture. A quick turnaround as 16th place Nottingham Forest takes on 5th place Spurs. In- inconsistencies from both teams, absolutely. 
But Steve Cooper, guess what? Lives another day. Let's call him Bond. Uh, Steve Bond. After Forrest's 1-1 draw at Wolves, just one win in Nottingham Forest last 12 Premier League fixtures, and that win came against Aston Villa of all teams last month. How wild is that? Uh, Cooper made seven changes for the fixture, which is the most to a starting 11 in the Premier League this season, and it almost worked. It was a much better performance against a good team. Uh, no wins in five overall for Forest. No clean sheets in five. Two, three, and two at home. Still a decent home side. Ten goals scored. Nine goals conceded. Their expected goals against at home, according to Understat, 7.79 in seven games, which is the third best in terms of conceding goals at home. But the back-to-back home losses, those sting. Those came against Brighton and Everton. Aurier out. Mario came off against Wolves, so keep an eye there. Spurs emphatically snapped a streak of five without a win, uh, a streak that included four losses, by the way, and a drop in a 4-1 thrashing of Newcastle. Their 4.4 XG, according to Understat, the best of the Premier League weekend. Uh, they've had a Premier League best 13 times where they've opened the scoring this season. Something to keep in mind when making potential plays on Pinnacle. And it's happened in their last 10 straight games. They've scored the first goal. That's wild. Uh, Udogi scored the match winner, or sorry, scored in the game. I shouldn't say match winner, but he was awarded with a new contract this week. For Charleston, good to see him go and score a brace. And of course, Son scored a goal because that's what he does. Uh, he's up to 10 on the season, third best in the Prem. No clean sheets in seven, over two and a half in their last seven. Both teams to score, obviously, following suit in their last seven. Just one loss away from home for Spurs this season. They've been a good away side. 4-3-1, and one, their last away match. They went to City, came away with that 3-3 result. And 18 away goals is joint, joint best in the Premier League alongside Man City. We joked last week about it that Romero might not be available this week. And he's actually lucky he is. Probably should have been sent off. Somehow he wasn't. So he will be playing. At least we expect he will this weekend. Head-to-head. Two wins for Spurs in the league last season, 2-0 away and 3-1 at home. But Forrest beat Spurs last season, 2-0 in the Carabao Cup at home. And they played to the under two and a half in five of seven. Spurs, a little bit of a favorite heading into this game. Um, What do you make of this fixture? Uh, Which side is more predictable for your liking? Um, probably Spurs are the most predictable in terms of we know exactly how Postacoglu is going to set up. He's going to play front foot attacking football, um, and he's got he's got players back fit now. Um, I know that we're, they're still missing Van der Ven and they're still missing Madison, but you know you've got your um, Romero back just about. You know, he tried his best to avoid this game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've got you've got Richarlison back in. Um, I think Lacelso has been playing well. Brian Gill when he's been called upon. Um, so yeah, I definitely would be looking at um, Spurs being the most predictable. Forest's performances have been completely up and down, and they're on that really, really long um, run. I think is it one win in twelve in the league? Um, uh, yeah, Steve Cooper seems to be under pressure, gets a draw, and then eases the pressure. Um, he's probably a manager that if if the bottom three weren't as bad as they are, he probably would have gone by now. But because there's a little bit of a cushion already, because the bottom three aren't aren't great, um, he's surviving a little bit longer. But yeah, in this game, I found nothing that I wanted to play place a bet on. Um, I think Spurs are about fair price. You get minus 141 currently on the money line. Um, I, I know Forrest's home record overall has been fairly good, but 
this is a different proposition from um, most teams that they face. The Spurs are just going to turn up and just throw everything at Forrest. Um, Forrest likes to play counter-attacking football. Spurs will happily let them do that, but they'll also create chances with their overload. So, um, yeah, I could see I could see it being a high-scoring game, but the line's at three, and that's probably a quarter of a goal too high, uh, just because Forrest's attacking output is really, really bad, especially without a one year. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to just leave this one alone. Enjoy it on a Friday night. It's very rare we get a Friday Prem game. Uh, I do have a play in this game. I was considering making a play in Nottingham Forest, to be honest with you, uh, against the spread, but it's not quite there for me. Uh, I'm also considering potentially a Spurs first half based upon how they go out and score first every game. Do you know what? I'm going to make it... I'm going to add a play. There's, there's going to be two plays on this one. Here Ooh. we go. It's going to be that kind of week. I'm going to make a half <laughs> play on Spurs money line first half at plus 133. That's a decent enough number for me. But my preferred play in a full unit play is going to be both teams to score uh, plus over two and a half at plus 103. I, I think that that's where, um, where you're going to get some value, a, a plus number. Like I said, Spurs, both teams of scorers played in their last seven games. They're an overside because they play so wide open. Certainly, Nottingham Forest can't keep a clean sheet. They're unable to do that as well. But at home, they play a little bit better. And I think that they will be able to catch Spurs in some moments on the counterattack just based upon the way that Spurs play. So I, I'm with you. I think that the over is the lean here. You said it was about a quarter too much. Well, the fact that Spurs can't keep a clean sheet either, both teams to score makes a whole lot of sense for me in the over. So we'll do a full unit play. Spurs take the lead. Nottingham Forest come back and mount a little bit of a challenge before Spurs finish it off late. It sounds like a recipe for success for me. So two plays in this game to start. Things what a way off. to start. Yeah, I, I got a good feeling this week. Let's keep the good vibes moving, uh, going, and let's move ahead to Saturday. 14th place Bournemouth against 18th place Luton Town. An odd game to be in our future five, but what the heck. Let's shine some positive light on Bournemouth because what a story they've been as of late. Their first win at Old Trafford last weekend, 3-0, and it was convincing. Not even close. Dominic Solanke's all of a sudden a player that's uh, of interest to other clubs, but Bournemouth not going to sell. Bill Foley, absolutely not. New ownership, they're ambitious, and I think they got the right manager and the right mix at Bournemouth right now. Four wins and a draw in their last five games. Five wins and a draw and a loss in their last seven, and that loss came to Manchester City. That's how well Bournemouth have been playing. They've gone over two and a half in eight of their last ten games, and they've been the first to score in their last five. Two, three, and three at home, with eight goals scored and 12 conceded. As for Luton Town, another hard-fought loss, which apparently you get nothing Unfortunately, you get nothing for. It was 2-1 to City this time. That's consecutive one-goal home losses to City, Arsenal, and United after they drew 1-1 with Liverpool at Kenilworth Road. Um, despite the effort, it's four losses in five overall uh, for Luton Town. They are 1-1-6 one, one away from home. Uh, at home, they've been good. Away, not so much. Seven goals scored, 18 conceded. A 25.5 expected goals against away is over seven expected goals against more than anyone else, according to Understat. Uh, marvelous Nakamba, marvelous name. It's not marvelous. He's suspended this weekend, but Kabori can come back in. 
Last time they played head-to-head was in the 2021-2022 season in the league championship. Bournemouth won 2-1 at home. Lutontown won 3 or and sorry, and they won three two at Luton Town as well was the final. Uh, so, so what do you make of this game? Does Bournemouth is it going to be straightforward for them against teams like this playing at home from now on? Is 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 this the new Bournemouth that we can expect week in week out? Um, yes and no. I I think. I obviously think Bournemouth are going to win the game. They've got more quality than Luton and they're performing at a really high level, which I'll get to in a second. But um, I do think this is a it's a tricky or it's a different game for Bournemouth. Um, you know, you look at the teams that they've played recently and obviously during this really, really good run. Um, and, and you've got, you've obviously got Burnley who are quite an offensive front foot team, even if they are bottom of the league or near the bottom of the league. You've got City who dominate possession. You've got Newcastle who are quite a front foot team as well. Um, I guess Sheffield United is slightly different. Villa like to dominate the ball, play on the front foot. Crystal Palace at Selhurst are a bit more attack minded and obviously Man United like to get the ball down and play. So all the teams that they've kind of picked results up against um, play, you know, like to play out from the back, play a bit of football, which allows the press. That's Bournemouth's kind of, I guess key is is that they can press, force turnovers, um, and really pin you back that way. Luton are probably one of the very few teams in this league that will not do that. They know what their strengths are, and ultimately, it's not passing out from the back. So I do just wonder about that matchup of a lack of um, opportunities, shall we say, for Bournemouth to do the high high pressing in the final third. So it will be a different kind of test for Bournemouth. So I do wonder if Areola will. Mix it up a little bit in terms of his team selection. Try and bring in a few more players to to um, open them up from deep, because I don't think they're going to get as many opportunities to turn the ball over high up. But as I said, I just think they've got too much quality, too much confidence at the moment. Um, and Luton away from home are absolutely, as you would say, dogs' breakfast. They are woeful. You mentioned the expected goals um, conceded there. Uh, that 25.6 in eight games works out at 3.2 per game, which is, that's, you're not going to win many football matches in the Premier League or just anywhere conceding that amount of chances on a regular basis. And uh, just for a bit more context around Bournemouth, across the last six games, um, six, seven games, they've picked up the, um, the second most expected points in the entire Premier League, which basically tells us exactly what we know, which is that the results have been deserved. The performances have been excellent. Um, and yet that sh- they've just turned a massive corner, haven't they? And, and the second best underlying process. And that all those you know, those positives across the last seven include a 6-1 hammer in at Manchester City. So again, that shows you just how good the performances have been in the rest of those matches. Like I said, the only doubts I have are the kind of tactical battle between Luton being a bit route one, negating that press. Um, mm. ultimately, I don't think Luton are going to score and Bournemouth have the capability to score at least once. So I'm going to take Bournemouth on the handicap. Uh, it's minus one. So if, Luton, if Bournemouth do win by a single goal, we get our money back, uh, which I'm happy with. I can see them winning you know, much more comfortably than that, um, given the quality they've got. And the price is minus 119 at the minute. So I'm going to do a unit and a half on Bournemouth minus one to keep their good run going. Well done. Uh, no play for me here. And for a lot of the reasons, I think you explained it really well. Just the contrast in styles. Although Bournemouth have been playing at that level, I'm not sure if they're at that level 
I think they're a good team. Do I think they're a great team? No. Is there some room for regression to the mean? Yes. Does it usually happen in games like this when they're overpriced, a full uh, a full goal, you know, favored over a team that's like what three or four positions below them in the table, you know, coming to the vitality, you know, it's it's not a fortress there really. I just it, there's there's just not a number I can back here. That's what I'm trying to say. So no bet for me. I'm just going to stay away entirely. But I think you explained it well, and it wouldn't surprise me. This game kind of has a draw written all over it for me. It's not a complete loss for Bournemouth, but maybe a little bit of a step back, a recalibration, if you will, to where they are at this point. Um, yeah, could be up. I, I think this that's 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 a concern heading into this game. Yeah, I think this is a it's a game that we're going to learn quite a lot about Bournemouth. Um, yeah. I think. If they can deal with this kind of um, this kind of setup, because I think we 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 know now that if they're playing against anyone who also likes to get the ball out and play, they're dangerous. You know, you look at their upcoming schedule. They've got Nottingham Forest after this, another team that are quite happy to sit play standoff football, mm. um, and that could be you know if if they fail to do something against Luton um, and fall below the standards, then absolutely look at backing against them against Nottingham Forest in a similar vein. Um, then after that, it's Fulham, Tottenham, Liverpool, who are very open. So it might be opportunities to get them back on side. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's an interesting litmus test, I think, for Bournemouth. Uh, we'll see about Lloyd Kelly's status uh, th- this week. Didn't really miss him at Old Trafford. It was fine. And I, I joked about this last week. When, when when Tavernier plays and he's dealt with a bunch of injuries, they win. Like, it's just, I, I, I don't know. I, I think he's just an efficient player. So uh, we'll see if uh, Bournemouth can keep it up this weekend. Uh, let's move ahead to Sunday. Should be a good game. Really watchable game. A second place Arsenal plays eighth place Brighton. Arsenal coming off that 1-0 loss at Aston Villa last week. Played to a 1-1 game against PSV in the Champions League. They'd already advanced. There was some squad rotation. Uh, the streak finished up three straight away matches. or back home at the Emirates where they're a very good team. Uh, no clean sheets in their last four, but they've only conceded 15 goals on the Premier League season, which is joint fewest in the Prem. Uh, they've been the first to score in seven of the last eight games. They're 6-2-0 at home over the course of the Premier League season. Vieira is out with a groin injury. Martinelli was ill earlier in the week. It wasn't available against PSV, but you expect him to play this weekend. Brighton are coming off a 1-1 home draw with Burnley, uh, continuing the trend of scoring and conceding in every game they've ever played, and it will continue in perpetuity. Uh, 29 shots and 11 on target, 72% possession, and almost a three, uh, three expected goals, but still a 1-1 draw. 61 goals scored and conceded in Brighton games is the most in the Premier League in terms of goal output. They are 3-1-3 and in terms of their away record. They play Marseille at home on Thursday to go on and win their Europa League group. And Danny Welbeck is on the verge of return. Head-to-head, Brighton won this fixture. It was 3-0 at the Emirates last season, if you remember that. Arsenal won 4-2 at the Amex. Arsenal haven't had a clean sheet against Brighton in four because Brighton score in every game. And they they played to over two and a half in four of five. So other than both teams to score, what else do you like in this in this, in this fixture, Jake? So I like a bet that has landed in 14 of Arsenal's last 27 home Ooh, league matches. Okay. 
So if we were just taking that as an implied probability, 14, 27, 52% would give you a, a price of around minus 108. The price we're getting for this bet is plus 202, which immediately just jumps off the page as being flat out wrong. Um, and the bet is Arsenal to win and both teams to score, which is massively overpriced given everything you've just said there about Brighton, given Arsenal's home record is is excellent. But as I've just said, 14 out of 27, Arsenal have won and conceded. Like They don't keep many clean sheets at the Emirates. And yeah, I, I know this is a potential upset banana skin territory, given Brighton have got a very, very good track record against Arsenal in recent years. Um, but I think this is a different Arsenal team. Uh, they're much more cutthroat. They're much more reliable as well. Um, and obviously it's a different Brighton team because they're missing so many key players. They're playing on Thursday in what is, I know they're already through in that Europa League group. We're recording this on Thursday before they play. Um, but it's a big game because ultimately in a season that's going to be as congested as this, if you win your group, you miss the knockout round. So you, you basically save two games from your schedule. Uh, if you finish runner-up, you play two extra games against what would be potentially a Champions League dropout. Um, to get through to the next round of Europa League. So it's quite an important game on Thursday. I fully expect Deserby to go strong in that game. And, you know, who knows what kind of 11 Brighton will field at the weekend. As you mentioned, they score pretty much every game. Uh, I don't think that'll change. They no matter, no matter they game. play against City, Arsenal, it doesn't change. They score in every game. Um, but yeah, defensively, they do continue to look exceptionally vulnerable. Um so yeah, I, I just think this is a it's a good spot for Arsenal. I think if if Arsenal, if, if Brighton didn't have midweek football, I'd be a little bit more tentative because I do think Brighton have got the capabilities to really bloody the nose of any big team. Their record against the big teams is fantastic, but the fact they've got an already stretched squad, the fact that they've got midweek football on top of that, Arsenal managed to rotate in midweek because they were already top of their Champions League group. I think it all adds up to an Arsenal win, but. I just think we get an, you know, the, the boost from minus 210 to plus 202 for an Arsenal win and both teams to score against a team that scores in every single match, I think is way too big. Um, and, you know, history suggests that this, this should be a hell of a lot shorter. So a unit on that, please. Uh, Brighton win to Nilla plus 1250. I'm kidding. I, I'm kidding. No, no. The exact same play Head is yours. Obviously. No, 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 no. The exact same play is yours, but for a unit and a half for all those reasons. Let's ride this Brighton train. Like both teams to score. Like there's such a creative attacking team. I think they can get after Arsenal even on short rest, but this is a good bounce back spot for Arsenal based on the context of playing Tuesday versus a team playing Thursday, the rotation, the little bit of a rest. They were looking a little bit leggy trying to, you know, come out with a victory at the end against Aston Villa. Difficult place to go. Some calls, you know, didn't go their way. But I, I think this is a decent spot for Arsenal to get back on track. And there's that's where the juice is. And that's really where you can make up uh, some significant profit. Just hope that Brighton scores and Arsenal uh, put a couple past Brighton, which is absolutely possible. Uh, well explained. We're aligned, but I'm going to go a unit and a half. Uh, let's keep this train rolling. Also on Sunday, it's 11th place Brentford, who are very banged up right now. Taking on the buzz side in the Premier League, it's third place Aston Villa. But Aston Villa away 
is a much different outfit than Aston Villa at home. Brentford with a less than flattering result, and that's being polite, a 1-0 loss to Sheffield United. A 0.64 expected goals. They really struggled to create, missing Brian and Bomo from the team. Back-to-back losses and four losses in five all, uh, uh, five in a row, uh, five overall, I should say, for Thomas Frank's side. No clean sheet in six games for Brentford. Ivan Tony can't get back into the team soon enough. The good news is that their fixture next week against Manchester City is postponed as City's playing in the Club World Cup. So that's good news. They don't play again until December 27th. Uh, Collins may return to the side. Ayer is out, however. Brentford, a decent home record, 3-3-2. For Aston Villa, statement week. 1-0 over Arsenal. 1-0 over City. Uh, McGinn scored the winner in the first half against Arsenal, and they held on for the win. 15 straight home Premier League wins, uh, and four wins and a draw overall in their last five in the Premier League. Before their Europa League fixture on Thursday, recording this podcast before, it's no loss in seven for Villa in all competitions. They've gone over two and a half in five of their last seven. Same thing, both teams to score in five of their last seven. A couple key players out, Luca Digne is out suspended, as is Louise in the midfield. Those are two significant misses. Head-to-head, a 1-1 draw at home last season and a 4-0 Villa win at Villa Park. No losses for three in the head-to-head for Villa. Brentford no clean sheet in five. Both teams to score has played in four or five. So things have been going really well for Aston Villa, but they're missing a couple key players. They're not playing at home. They're playing away. They've been a much different team away from home than they have been uh, playing at Villa Park. So what do you make of this fixture? They're playing a banged up Brentford. Typically, you might have a lean to Brentford, but with so many notable absentees, I, I don't know. I'm finding it hard to back them. What say you? Yeah, I'm, I'm finding it hard to back either team, to be honest. Um, I think there's always there's going to be a bit of a come down for Aston Villa at some point. I mean, they had such a big week, didn't they? Beating both Arsenal and Man City, the two preseason favourites, um, take a lot out of you. And, and then they've got to follow that up with a Thursday game as well, um, which, you know, on paper, it's a fairly easy trip, but they've still got to get a result. Same, same as Brighton. They've got to get a result to top the group and avoid an extra two games in the schedule. Um, I don't think he'll go full strength. I think he'll rotate. Obviously, the players suspended at the weekend will come in and play in that Thursday game. But um, yeah, there, there's Villa's away form isn't bad. Um, you know, it's not it's not terrible. But you know, we're talking one three drawn two lost three. Obviously, two of those defeats came at Newcastle and at Liverpool. But um, the process isn't brilliant let's just put it that way um against Bournemouth they were very fortunate to get um a result they lost the xg battle very very heavily against Spurs they probably should have ended up with a draw they conceded 2.2 xg against Spurs 2.6 against Bournemouth um obviously lost at Forest which I think Forest are kind of I could see Brentford trying to copy what Forest did in that game and making it really difficult for Villa um forcing them to play out wide because Villa the way in which they attack I know they play with um you know, Leon Bailey and, and Diaby sometimes, but everything comes through the middle. Like those players end up funneling through the middle. Um, and it, especially with, you know, the past few weeks with Conta playing as right back, it has meant that 
there's not been a lot of width to their attacks whatsoever. They just try and overwhelm you in midfield. And I think that would suit Brentford. Um, but like you said, the injuries for Brentford are a concern. I would just say that they're, they're on a bad run of form. Um, you, you know, four defeats in five isn't great. But you know, they, they, they've, if you look a little bit closer at those defeats, at Liverpool, at home to Arsenal, at Brighton, which is, you know, the Amex is a tough place to go. And then at Sheffield United in the first game with a new manager where there's always going to be a little bit of a extra something for them. I think you can caveat with they've been a little bit unlucky <laughs> with the schedule. So I do expect Brentford to come good at some point and start picking up results more consistently. Could even be this weekend, but I'm a no bet, unfortunately. I, I, there's nothing I've found that I like uh, in this one. They have got to get their players back. Like, look, Malpe, Lewis Potter, Baptiste. Like, you're you're relying on a lot of depth players to play significant minutes for Brentford right now. I think it's worth a nibble on Aston Villa to win this outright. At plus 122, they're begging you to make a play on Aston Villa. And I'm going to oblige. We'll, we'll make a half bet. Plus 122. Come on. Like, Villa is a vastly superior team to Brentford, the way they stack up right now. I'm not talking Brentford full strength, what they look like a month and a half ago, even without Ivan Tony. But I'm talking about right now. Um, I have to back Villa. So a half unit, Villa to win outright at plus 122. Let's have a nibble there. So did it, would you would you tell people that that's a ridiculous play? Jake, like, t- to me, if, if it's it's worth something at least. I'm not, I'm- I don't think it's ridiculous now. I think they're the most likely winners of the game. Um, and you know, if you put it into the context of the what was it game week eight, Villa went to Wolves and they went off at plus one fourteen. So they're actually a bigger price to beat Brentford um, at the moment, who look out of form, than they were to beat a Wolves team that were also out of form. Um, I don't, again, I don't know. I personally would rate Brentford higher in which case I might expect to see plus 125, plus 130 about this Villa team. Um, but yeah, Brentford, uh, like you said, banged up, out of form. Villa riding the crest of a wave. Um, they've got good options off the bench. I, will, I, I think this is another good test for Villa, you know, in a different way to Arsenal and Man City. Will Unai Emery mix it up a little bit? Will he go to a back three, play with Moreno and Cash as, as wing-backs, try and stretch the pitch a little bit and match Brentford? You know they've got those options to do that and maybe play with a bit bit more width. So yeah, I think it's it's, it's an intriguing game. Um, if I was to lean, I would be siding towards a Villa win for sure. All right, uh, our final match of our feature five. Oh no, it's top of the table, <laughs> Liverpool facing sixth place, and it just doesn't sound right. Sixth place, Manchester United, really? It's not a typo. It's true, but this match has. Ugly written all over it. We'll see if Jake agrees. Liverpool coming off a 2-1 win over Crystal Palace away. But nothing came easy in that game, and they're a little bit fortunate. Ayu was sent off in the 75th minute. A couple players also came off due to injury for Palace. Then Mo Salah scored his 200th Liverpool goal in all competitions. Then Elliot with the 90-plus-1 winner. And all of a sudden, don't look now, Liverpool are atop the table. It's the fourth time they've come back from conceding the first goal of the game to win this season. They lost the XG battle against Palace 1.79 to 1.37. 
Ahead of their Europa League fixture on Thursday, four wins in a row, and they're undefeated in their last six. They've gone over two and a half in five of their last seven. Liverpool, 100% record at home through seven games, 21 goals scored and five conceded. And three of those five goals were against Fulham last time out at Anfield. And Matip is the latest long-term absentee, and they're going to miss McAllister as he's out through injury this weekend. Hardly a saving grace, but at least notable for Manchester United, who right now things are just as bad as they can get. I'm not talking Wreck-It Ralph Rangnick ban, but maybe it's heading in that direction. A 3-0 home loss to Bournemouth and the first time Bournemouth ever won at Old Trafford. Trafford, and it was the fifth time that United conceded three or more goals at home in all competitions this season. One win in five in all competitions after the weak, limp, 1-0 loss to crash them out of the Champions League against Bayern Munich. No clean sheets in five. They are 4-0-3 away from home, just eight goals scored, seven goals conceded, but the expected goals against is 13.38, according to Understat. Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw making matters worse, leaving the game Tuesday uh, against Bayern Munich. Bruno Fernandes is suspended for this fixture, which may be an okay thing, all things considered, the way things have been going. Rashford and Martial could return. Both were ill midweek. Uh, and Lindelof could possibly return as well. But that injury list, it, it's not an excuse. It's a reason. It's lengthy. It's significant with leaders and key contributors out throughout the team. Head to head. Well, there's a number of unenviable stats, stats that are just downright putrid if you're a United supporter. I'll just give you a couple. Lost 7 0 at Anfield last season, 4 0 the season many? before. The last time United scored at Anfield was five years ago in Jose Mourinho's last game, 2018. And although United won 2-1 at Old Trafford last season, I, I, Mo Salah scored 12 goals against United. That's more than any other Liverpool player scored in this fixture. It's just wild. Um, these two sides have gone over two and a half in the last seven games that they played. So how bad will it be for United making the trip to Anfield on Sunday, Jake. It could be very bad. Um, it's, it's one of those weird, like I'm ch- chatting to the guys in the office today about this game and I'm getting a bit of deja vu from last year because obviously Man United were in better form when they went to Anfield last year. Everyone was a little bit wary of Liverpool um, and it, everyone was saying, oh, it could be a bit of a banana skin. And they absolutely destroyed United. Um, and I'm getting the, the same vibes this time around that people are a little bit almost, almost, how's the best way to put it? Almost expecting United to turn up for the big occasion and put on a performance. But how on earth can you watch that team at the moment and think they're going to turn up for anything? You know, there could be like a, a free buffet and they won't turn up, um, which is scandalous. But they are, they are performing like a bottom half team and you know that's probably been kind um the you know the the application the tactics the setup they're so easy to play through um they look all over the place they look pretty lost in terms of failing to understand what ten Hag wants uh, i mean last week against 
Bournemouth was just, it was quite laughable, really. You've got Amrabat playing as a deep-lying midfielder trying to protect the back four. You've got Fernandes trying to support the striker. And then you've got McTominay being asked to cover everything in between. It's like, there's no wonder you look like dead on your feet after 75 minutes. You're running, everyone, doing everyone's running. Um, yeah, will Fernandes not being there be a positive? Maybe, but he's your creative hub. Like, who the hell's going to create the chances if if he's not there? You're Rashford's on the sideline benched um Garnacho could cause Trent a few problems if you're looking for one-on-one potential matchups. Hoyland still not scored a Premier League goal. Um as you said, like Maguire off injured. Who the hell's gonna is it gonna be Luke Shaw center off or is he injured? Is it going to be Johnny Evans and Varane? I mean probably probably Evans just... and Varane. Yeah. Unless Lindelof can come back. Yeah. And then it comes back to style of play. Like last year United were when they got the results, they were playing measured counter-attacking, counter-punch football. Um, this season, they haven't done any of that. They're trying to play front foot, aggressive football, take game, uh, take the game to their opponents. They just have the players to do that. So it'd be really interesting to see if United turn up at Anfield with that potential lineup we've just said, which is probably going to be, you know, McTominay, Amrabat in midfield. No idea who's going to play in the ten, or if he plays an extra, you know, if Mainu comes back in um, and plays as a, as a three. Be interesting to see how they how they set up and play. Like, will they will they play deep and try and hit on the counter attack, or will they try and make it an open basketball game like they have done every other time they played this season? In which case, they could get absolutely destroyed, and it could be a case of you know taking Liverpool minus four on the handicap or something like that. Um, because this is you are going to the best home team in the division. Like, I know Villa have got the best record at the moment. I mean, both have got hundred percent records. Liverpool played a game less. But the underlying process Liverpool's putting up at home is simply frightening for anybody, never mind a team that's conceding so many good chances and is so easy to play against. So, um, yeah, I, I had a couple of plays down. Um, the first one is Liverpool on the handicap. I'm taking them on the line, minus one and three quarters, uh, which is at plus one and three. This, you know, it's a bet that's won in all the home games apart from the last one against Fulham, which was a strange game in which it looked as though they were going to be completely in control when they went up early and then had to turn it around. And the other one I'm going to take is Liverpool to win to nil, which I think last time I looked was plus 188. Plus 186 last time I checked. And I checked because... I have the exact same two plays as you. Just <laughs> just put them down for both of us, please, and thank you. Nice and easy, yeah. Because I, I, I was going to respond to you by saying, which is more likely, Liverpool to win by two or more goals or Manchester United not to score in this game? I think that they could both happen. I have no they evidence that happen, either yeah. one, you know, I, I, I think both at those numbers, at plus numbers, are worth the play. I, I I just can't see, even if, and it's been very strange to me, the one, you know, Ten Hag's received a lot of criticism, is man management, okay, like, I get it to a certain degree, but there have been significant injuries and issues with this group that have been completely out of his control. They, they played the most games in the Premier League, in European football last season, the exact same thing happened to Liverpool last season. Like the, the players broke down, they fell apart. They had a very poor season. This was predictable in a lot of ways, as much as I didn't want to see it. So I, I understand 
the, the fact that his signing, Onana has been so poor. Mount hasn't played. There's been, it's just those issues have compounded. The fact that, you know, they bring in a 20 year old project as really their lone striking option and don't have a proper backup or another player to play that position. That is a massive mistake. So th- th- there's, there's been issues that go well beyond Eric Ten Hag. But the one thing I would say is the reluctance. Or just the sheer refusal to play a double pivot in midfield is something that's beyond me. I, I, I it, to me, that's inexcusable. When you have Bruno Fernandez, who plays in a very free role, yeah, he puts in the effort, runs a lot. I get it, but you need to have two players to to, to be solid in behind him. They barely have one, and, and you can't play that way. And then that's when the house of cards completely crumbles. And maybe this weekend he goes Manu and Amrabat, but against Liverpool at Anfield, I don't think it matters, Jake. I just don't. I I don't think it does. This Liverpool side can run away with this one again. I to me, it's it's a matter of how many, not if. So I'll, I'll make the exact same two plays as you. Nice. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to. I know it's it's always difficult because you're talking about a club of the stature of Manchester United and they have got a couple of good, good players there, but it is very do. hard to see them getting a result. It really is just the way in which they're playing. Um, you know, I think if they played my team, Sheffield Wednesday, they'd probably struggle to get a result at the moment. Maybe not actually, because we are really bad. But um, yeah, they, you know, that, that's the kind of level that they're playing at, at the moment. Like if they were to turn up at Kenilworth Road at Luton, I would expect Luton to at least avoid defeat because that's the kind of standard that they're they're playing at the moment. Even their wins are very narrow against uh, poor teams, and yeah, Liverpool have got so many options. Uh, I know again they play in, they play on Thursday, but they've got the group wrapped up. They will definitely rotate, and I, and you just know that Jurgen Klopp is a manager that will not tolerate any complacency. He'll give United that bit of respect to make sure the players are properly switched on, and it's a massive game for Liverpool at Anfield to you know. They love to just dump on Man United when they get the chance. And yeah. they have done in recent years, and I fully expect them to do so again. So, um, yeah, the, the the interesting thing about the 7-0 was that Cody Gakpo played, um, and he played as almost like a false nine. He kept dropping into those half spaces between the defence and the midfield, and United just couldn't live with him. So it'd be interesting to see if he does something similar or if Klopp opts to play a little bit more... Um, yeah, to to counter United's lack of midfield, if he if he does just play a, a forward and then plays a more advanced midfielder and and really tries to take the game, but whatever happens, man, I mean, player for player, it's no, it's not even close, is no, it, at no. this moment in time? And, I like how Anfield uh, factor, yeah. I like how you use the word interesting. By the way, I'd say painful. This guy. <laughs> Very happy this weekend. I, to those listening, sofa, it was funny. Yeah. I had Jurgen Klopp on my screen in the back. All right, enough of that. I'll, I'll see if I have something else to do on Sunday. Are you sure you don't want to? You don't want to say speak anymore about this game? No, <laughs> no. It's just let's get to January, Sir Jim Ratcliffe. You got to come in and like please save like us now. Like honestly, nothing can happen until they do take over so it's going to be much of the same it's part of being a fan i always say united gave me more joy than i could dream of you know in the first three decades of my life you know the the last decade has been very very painful but that's sport for you no one's entitled to go out and win you need to earn it you need to make proper decisions and right now uh liverpool's doing a lot of things right and just for context like 
I'm not some United fanboy on this podcast. I have a futures play for Liverpool to go out and win the Premier League this season. And I'm over the Liverpool total for this season and I'm under for the United total for this season. So my, you know, the, the, the plays that we make has nothing to do with fandom. It has everything to do with what the numbers say and what a read on the scenarios are. Uh, rapid fire time. Let's get through this. Uh, Sheffield United coming off a win. The Wild Man, Chris Wilder is back, everyone. They beat Brentford. Now they have to go to Stamford Bridge and take on a Chelsea side, which is struggling right now. Do you have a play in this game, Jamie? Um, I don't know. Um, I will. I do think that this is a potential to oppose Chelsea on the handicap. Um, I think, you know, Sheffield United are going to play hard. They're going to play tough. You can't trust Chelsea at this moment in time. Uh, four wins in 19 home league games since the start of the calendar year, which is not very good for a team that spent a billion quid. Um, so, yeah, I, I basically don't back Chelsea at that price. Don't trust them to cover the handicap. Um if anything, lean the other way. But I'm no official play, just because I want to see a little bit more from Sheffield United under Wilder. I think Chelsea are going to smash them, but I'm not going to play it on the <sighs> handicap. This oh. is one of those that, like, look, Chelsea have been playing poorly, but they've still created chances coming back at home against a team that's picked up one point away from home on the season. Chelsea being an overside, over two and a half and five of six. In this fixture, they've been over two and a half and five of six. I'm going to go a half unit play on Chelsea's team total over two and a half goals at plus 101. I think they can get three or four in this game. I just, we've seen it, them do it to other teams uh, over the course of the last month. Sheffield United, I'm going to call them sitting duck this weekend. Uh, City taking on Palace. Do you have a play here? Yeah, I'm going to make a little bit of a rogue pick. Um, half a unit on first half draw. Um, I know City usually, okay. City usually come out of the blocks quite quickly. Um, but Roy Hodgson, for whatever reason, works his voodoo magic over Pep. And he, he does get some good results against Manchester City. Um, for whatever reason, he knows how to frustrate them. You know, deep 4-4-2 block, um, make it hard to, for them to create chances. Close the passing lanes, press high, look to hit on the counter-attack. I think it's an awkward game for City, who obviously will be out without Haaland. Already missing quite a few key players, like like said, De Bruyne. Um, and yeah, Palace, they they looked good against Liverpool. Um, you know, they, they they limited a very good attacking Liverpool team um, very well until after the red card. Um, obviously, it's different to go and do it at the Etihad, but, you know, they, they, they could be on to something. Um, so yeah, just taking a little small chance on a repeat of last week, basically, which is half-time draw. Palace scored twice at the Emir- or at um, uh, wherever City plays the Etihad last Etihad. season. <laughs> Sorry, uh, brain fog. Um, my problem <laughs> is I'm, I'm enticed by Palace plus two on the handicap. Like this is a City side, and all competitions have conceded. They haven't had a clean sheet in their last seven games. Like, but the fact that I use suspended for this game, Aze's hamstring continues to be an issue. Eduard came off last week with a knee. Same Johnson was taken off as well. 
and Lerma was taken off last week and Mitchell's touch and go as well. Who's going to be playing for Palace? Like, I, I, I think I'll have to wait. I'm going to make no bet on this podcast. But if some of these players are available, I think that Palace on plus two is an okay bet to make. Uh, I, I, I don't mind that. So... Uh, like you said, Roy Hodgson finds a way against City. They're a pain in the you-know-what. Didn't play poorly against Liverpool. I feel like it's a team that punches above their weight a little bit. It's good teams they play better. It's weaker teams. Their form dips. So um, no play as of now, but it's something I might consider heading into that game. Newcastle and Fulham. Newcastle 4-1 lost to, to Spurs, then lost to AC Milan at home. Uh, in the Champions League, they're done and dusted in that competition. They lost Premier League games by three or more goals in back-to-back for the first time since 2017. They look completely out of gas. Trippier is suspended this weekend, um, and Gordon's been battling it. Looks like he's had a little bit of a hamstring, but he's been playing through it. I guess the good news is that Longstaff returned last weekend. Byrne came off the bench midweek. Meanwhile, Fulham, back-to-back 5-0 wins. They've scored three or more goals in their last four games. Um, their only concern really is that William came off with a hamstring. He's going to be evaluated. He's going to be a late call. Newcastle at home usually is a lock at St. James's Park. But Fulham's on wonderful form. Newcastle, they got to pick themselves up after what happened midweek and what happened last week. And just, I don't know, like, it's very difficult, like, despite... The the cardinal rule: don't bet against Newcastle at St James's Park. Do you bet against Newcastle at St James's Park this weekend? No, no, <laughs> um, I'm not. But I'm not backing them either. Uh, I'm not backing them either. I'm taking goals. I mean, the, the lines at two point seven five. That looks um, very appetising to me. Fulham, for whatever reason, have come out the international break and have absolutely fired. Um, what is it? 13 goals in three games, which is 72% of Manchester United's whole total for the season, by the way. Um, they've done that in three games, which I thought well, was quite interesting. Well, we were done speaking about Manchester United, but okay. One more dick. Uh, yeah, no, sorry. Um, but yeah, they, they, they are they're firing. They're creating chances, which they weren't doing before. I know three of those games have come at home since the international break. They've um, you know, won all three at home, Wolves, Forest, West Ham, nearly won at Liverpool. But um, yeah, creating chances, still looking a little bit vulnerable. Um, Newcastle, yes, they've got injuries. They look tired. They look spent. But they've got so much quality. They have the St. James's factor, which I think is is something real and tangible. Um, and I fully expect them to score maybe twice in this game. But I could easily see Fulham scoring a couple of times against a tired Newcastle team. Uh, so yeah, who, who are missing key players? Over 2.75 goals, minus 106. I'm playing... Uh, unit and a half on that one. I really Ooh. like it. Uh, half unit weekend for me. I'll do a half unit play on the same bet. So I'm not feeling great about it because I think Trippy is a really important player for this team, Newcastle team. And if Gordon can't play, what does that look like? Are you playing Wilson and Isak at the same time? Probably, yeah. I just, yeah. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Half you Joe Linton, the over. Joe Linton wide left, maybe. You can push forward. Who comes into the midfield? I don't. Longstaff, Miley, yeah. Gumerish. Yeah. That's really been in it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who plays. I mean, Dan Byrne came off the bench, so he probably starts left back. Libermento to right back. Yeah. Charlotte sells. Um, 
obviously Dubravka's in the net, which is another problem for them. He's not played very well since coming in. So, yeah, I'll, I like goals. I think I think Fulham are going to be fun for the rest of the season. We lost them, didn't we? We lost them at the start of the season. We uh, did, and, and I was worried because I'm on a back. Fulham over the points future play because I believe in Marco Silva and his style of play. And mm, finally, it's coming to the good. I I felt like that was one of my bogey teams to start the season. I, just, I was losing on Fulham, um, and now it's come to the good, even though I bet against them last week. This, this mysterious illness that David Moyes won't disclose really messed up my play last week. I'll leave that be for a moment as we'll turn our attention to Burnley and Everton. What's incredible about Burnley, they've dropped 16 points from winning positions. They're up 1-0 against Brighton. Came away with the point. Uh, their only home win came against Sheffield United. They have the worst home record in the league. Facing Everton this weekend, who are 5-1-1 in their last seven games in the Premier League, but Brathwaite and Adrisa Gay are both suspended. And Coleman and Young, uh, the elder statesman of the group, if you will, a uh, little bit of question mark heading into this weekend. Burnley Everton, do you have a play? Everton to win. Uh, plus 117. It's a big price for me um, against a, well, like I said, a Burnley team with a shocking home record. I know they got a point against Brighton last time out, but they conceded a hell of a lot of chances, um, nearly three expected goals. And as you mentioned, I mean, we've said it from the start of the pod, Everton, they're a top half team on every major metric, um, creating loads of chances, conceding very few. Yes, they've got a couple of suspensions, but I trust the, uh, Sean Dyche to be able to get his team selection right. Um, and yeah, he's going back to his old stomping ground. Obviously, he was, he was sacked by Burnley before they went down the last time. I'm sure he's got a point to prove. Um, but yeah, Everton will just want to keep rolling. Um, this is, a, is I know I know they're 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 comfortably out of the drop zone as it is. But it's another great chance to put more distance between themselves and the drop zone, isn't it? Against the team below them. So um, given that everyone's gone to turf more pretty much and won so far this season, I can't be turning down odds against for Everton. Yeah, uh, I'll go with the total though over two point two five at minus one twenty. They played last season in the EFL Cup. It was a three nil Everton win. Uh, they played to over two and a half in four of their last five meetings. Both teams of scores played in four of their last five. Um, yeah, I, Everton's aggressive. You know, Deitch going back to Burnley. Uh, I, I don't think that it's a bad play. For some reason, this game, something about it screams draw to me. Maybe it's my just my gut, my intuition. I'm not sure if I'm following that, but the fact that the goal total is so low. Um, let's go with that over two and at 2.25 at minus 120 for a full unit play. And last, certainly not least, the double W's West Ham Wolves. West Ham coming off a five nil loss last weekend to Fulham. They do play to win their uh conference league group against Freiburg at home on Thursday. Uh, Wolves, the 1 1 draw against Nottingham Forest last time out. The both teams to score still a good play every time Wolves plays 9 out of 10 this season. Uh, do you have a play for the final fixture of the weekend? Yeah, over two and a half goals. I'm going with the goal line. Um, Wolves have just been so much fun just in general um, this season. I know they've had a couple of games that have gone under recently, Forest and Burnley, but West Ham. Um, for achieving their goals, they're going to need to start winning some of these home matches. Uh, what they're ninth in the league at the moment, so yeah, they're not completely out of touch with you know Europa League qualification, which they achieved a couple of years ago. But their defense has been exceptionally vulnerable this season. Uh, they've conceded thirty expected goals in just sixteen games for an average of one point eight eight. Wolves exactly the same. 
um, and both have shown they can create chances. So I'm going to take the overs. I think it's going to be a good good, good game. Um, and I think West Ham have played five games in Europe now and four have gone over two and a half goals. Or the four Premier League games that have followed have gone over two and a half goals. So um, you know, there, there's something to factor in there if you believe in that kind of stuff. Brilliant. I really like this Wolves side. And this isn't a spite bet because West Ham let me down last weekend. Their illness made me ill. I like Wolves on the handicap. (laughs) Uh, Plus 0.25 at plus 104 for a full unit play. In games like this, typically have draw written all over them. Get a half win if it plays out. I'll take that. Um, You said how much fun Wolves have been. That's not something we've been able to say about them in quite some time. Uh, and, they, and they'd and they be doing this without Neto in the side, who looks like he'll be back over the course of the holiday season. So they'll become that much more effective. Uh, I like Wolves in this spot. West Ham play Thursday. Wolves have just one focus, and that is West Ham. And I think they can go there and get something out of this game. So give me that play to wrap things up on the weekend. So those are 10 fixtures in the books. Uh, any final thoughts, any favorite plays that you'd like to share? Um, I like the Arsenal win and both teams to score just because I think the price is just so wrong. Um, I love both Liverpool plays as well. Uh, I think they should go very close and give us a great run for our money. Well done. Um, I really like this Friday night football fixture. Friday night's holiday season is meant for a party. Double bet play right out of the gate. Hopefully that will set the tone the right way heading into the Premier League weekend. You can follow along with Jake at Jake Oz on the X machine. Myself at Gareth Wheeler, Gareth.Wheeler on Instagram. Good stuff, buddy. See how I was ducking and dodging like a top championship boxer uh, try to avoid the head to head at all dodge a bit more yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh I'll, I'll follow your lead on this one and that one but that's okay yeah. that's how uh, <laughs> the chips may lay uh good stuff this week jake we'll do it all again next week nice one have a good one Best yeah, of luck. Uh, jake and everyone at pinnacle i am gareth Miller. good luck this week and this has been epl insights for game week 17